Welcome back to another episode of To Be Authentic, the only podcast that teaches you how to build a bridge to the life you want from the life you have using human design, the gene keys, and the work. I'm so happy you're here. Let's get started. Okay, here we are. Podcast episode number 001. And I have to tell you, this is one of the strangest things I've ever done in my life. It's very um, odd and awkward. The work I do every day is actually interviewing others for my storytelling business. And uh, so I'm usually the one behind the mic instead of in front of it, because I truly get a lot of joy out of helping people see themselves for who they truly and uniquely are. And I've done that for the last 10 years in my narrative work, Humanifesto Studios, and just recently realized with my business partner that there was a whole opportunity to start a coaching business. And this podcast is helping us define, connect, communicate with others around that business, which is called To Be Authentic. So of course it made sense that for this podcast, one of the first things I need to do is help you understand my inspiration, who I am, where I come from, and why, <laughs> you know, why do I have the audacity to think that I have something important to share, that I have something worthwhile to listen to. And um, so I thought I would use this episode to help you understand a little bit more about me. Okay. One of the things that I'm getting used to is all this equipment. <laughs> so there's a camera here on top of the computer, which is new. There's a mic here, which you can't see. There's my iPad here so that I can refer to certain notes. There's a ring light here so that you don't see the circles or all of my wrinkles as much. <laughs> and um, there's also all of the different screens on my computer, which are providing me with uh, information, information that I want to share for this particular episode. And it comes from so many different places. There are quotes I want to share. There are, there's my chart that I want to share. There's all these different screens. So bear with me as I get used to navigating through all of this, uh, because it's only to make sure that we have a really great conversation. So this first episode, which is really just to lay a foundation for what to expect on this podcast, it's all about what does it mean to be authentic? And I think this is something that we all yearn for, is to really know the truth of who we are as individuals. It's our existential reason for being here. And those questions start for all of us, I believe, when we're children and we're making sense of who we are, who the other is, what our role in the family is, what our role in, in school is, um, what we do to get people to like us, what we do to feel confident, to feel secure in ourselves. And all along the way throughout our lives, we're all doing things that allow us to investigate and get to the root of how we're designed, right? What is it that makes me, me? And what is it that makes you, you, right? And we do that 
by taking personality tests. A lot of us taking personality tests and get a lot of value from that. We do self-help courses and get a lot of value from that because there is a search and it is a human need, I believe, to while we're here, while we inhabit these bodies and these brains and et cetera, that we do everything we can to make sure that we haven't wasted this moment, that we haven't wasted our time and our breath and our energy doing things that didn't matter, doing things that weren't true to who we were. And what I, and I've been on this journey as well all my life. I, I feel like, and I actually now know it, it is my reason for being was to figure out who I am and to figure out the process for being clear about that. Um, in terms of our personality tests and going back to that conversation, personality tests are fantastic. I've done so many of them, as have you, I'm sure. StrengthsFinder, uh, HBDI, Myers-Briggs. I'm an ENTP. I was an ENTJ earlier in my life. And, uh, and I've also done the Enneagram. I'm a four. So all of these personality tests are fantastic because they're, they're giving us an additional clue to who we are and what we have to work with, right? What is our true nature? The problem, though, that comes up with personality tests, and this is the thing that's very profound and hasn't been solved until very recently, the problem is that all of these personality tests require on you answering a set of questions using your mind. And the problem with using our mind is that our mind is kind of all in with our ego and wants to give the response that the ego approves of. And so the answers aren't as aren't pure. There's a motivation behind it, a motivation to be perceived a certain way or to um, think of ourselves as a certain way, right? And so what happens is the results of those personality tests that we take, they provide it an immediate um, dopamine rush, you know, oh, I'm a four. It means... I crave love and perfection. It, it, it means I'm, 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 I, I'm always going to find a fault with something because it, it can never be perfect. Or Myers-Briggs or whatever the different personality tests you take. And it gives you this immediate rush of clarity because there's something that's familiar in it, but then it doesn't last. And there are two reasons for that, I believe. Um, one, I'm pretty sure of, there's no way to keep sustaining it. So you get this information, but then how do you sustain it in your life? How do you keep track of it? How do you keep living it? How do you keep checking in with it to make sure that you're honoring that part of you? So that's one, one part problem. The other is each one of these personality tests or assessments are only giving you one tiny fragment of information about the true you. And actually, I take that back. It's not the true you because it's the you that your mind wants you to think is you. So 
why this is so important to point out is that the more that we, well, actually, let me back up. Our lives are the sum of what happens to us that we have control, no control over, right? And the decisions we make that are an attempt to have control over our lives, to direct it, to guide it, sometimes derail it, as you'll one day learn in my story. And these decisions are made based on who we think we are. So if you're making decisions based on a person that is actually not the true you, you're going to live a life of frustration and disappointment. Your relationships will not be what you want them to be because there's a false person that you've presented to the other that that's wanting things from them or that's promising things to them that you actually can't deliver because your mind is caught up in thinking you're a certain way instead of knowing who you really are. And I'm telling you that information, that ride is the best ride you will ever take in your life. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I know because it's been the ride of my life. And it only became clear in the last 18 months. And that's why I'm here. If we do not truly know ourselves, we can't truly love ourselves. And if we don't know ourselves and love ourselves, how can we ever truly know or love another? I think it's impossible. It's a fake love. It's an empty love. It's a hollow love. I don't want that kind of love for me. And I don't want that kind of love for you, either in the giving or in the receiving. Again, that's why I'm here. And I want to share a couple statistics because we just talked about how we're all drawn to these personality tests for good reason. We want to know who we are. We want to know if we're using our time right. We want to know if we're doing the work that matters, if we're in the relationships that are correct for us, right? There are 2,500 personality tests in the world. (laughs) 2,500. How do you know which one of those to use, right? What if you use the wrong one? What if you use a combination that gives you like this view of you versus this view of you? right? It's impossible to have a complete, perfect picture of who you are, really. And yet 80% of Fortune 500 companies use them. Think about how messed up that is. So companies are hiring people based on who they think those people are, from who they think they are, right? And people are accepting offers in the same way. Because they're thinking of themselves a certain way, that they should do a certain kind of job, that they sh- they're worth a certain amount of money, that this is the best they can do, that blah, 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 right? This is the path to mediocrity and settling and, and 
the worst of all, a life lacking in fulfillment. Who wants that? I think this is why there's so much anger in our society right right now, because people are not fulfilled and they don't know how to create a path or build a bridge to the life they want from the life they have. They don't know how to do that. And it's terrifying to try because what happens if you wind up blowing up your life? It's another reason I'm here because I did blow up my life. I've been on this journey of really trying to figure out who I am and what's important to me and what matters so that when I die, I know I've used up every moment in the most powerful way for me, right? That mattered to me. And so this journey has been, I I call it 30 years and 18 months, right? 30 years of trial and error and blowing up my life doing the best I could to follow my way and find my way because what I discovered along the way is that the things I was told that would make me happy, all the traditional choices that we tend to make in life, the traditional milestones, they didn't have any allure for me. They, they, didn't, they didn't light me up. They didn't get me excited. And so to be somebody who is very aware of what isn't for me and to not have a lot of role models for how to be me and accept myself when I was more comfortable being odd man out or odd woman out and actually feeling uncomfortable about that. It would have been so much easier if I could want what everyone else wanted, but I'm not built that way. I've just not built that way. And I really am not built that way when you see my human design chart. And so I did the best that I could and I blew my life up big time. Relationships, money, all of that. But see, I already did that. So you don't have to. And and I now have a an approach using the newer tools that are available for personality assessment that can help you explore that inner part of you that feels unfulfilled and do it in a safe, guided way. You don't have to take the risks that I took because I've created a better way. (laughs) And that's why I'm here. Okay. So I want to talk about truly the definition of what it means to be authentic. And I want to talk about the um, natural struggles to find one's way, okay? I looked up authentic on Google because, of course, (laughs) and the definition is so pure that I wanted to share it with you. It's of undisputed origin, genuine. That's what it means to be authentic, to be of undisputed origin origin. Isn't that exquisite? I mean, it's really, really exquisite. It's so pure. Undisputed origin. Oh, I can't say it enough, as you can tell. (laughs) But living that in our society, in our world, is so much easier said than done. 
because we are filled with, we come into this life with all of these fascinating internal conflicts and tensions, right? And we're here to navigate those. And it's how we navigate that we learn who we are. It's when we make mistakes or have failures that we learn who we are. If we're not bumping into ourselves or bumping into life, we're not really living. And I hate to say that. I hate to say that to people who, to anyone who's listening, who, who feels very successful and that things just happen for them. There's absolutely, that happens. There's no question about it. But I'd still push you to push yourself harder, farther. If everything has been easy for you, then you're here to do something bigger, right? You're here to stretch your boundaries. And when we push our own boundaries, we, we face uncertainty. We don't know how something's going to turn out. We face the fear of not being able to control that. And we face the, the potential for mistakes and failure. But in those mistakes and failure, there's information about you, to you, for you. When I think about all of these conflicts, basically I think about, um, well, what comes to mind is Michelangelo's famous diagram from 1492, I think it is, the 15th century. Of I had to look this up to on Google because why not? And, uh, and it's called the Vitruvian Man, and you all know it. You've seen it a million times. Uh, it's this diagram. And what I didn't realize because I never had paid enough ten- attention to it until I was preparing for our conversation today, that this, this man is in a square that's also in a circle, which is so funny because we always talk about uh, round pegs and square holes, right? Trying to shoehorn ourselves into situations to make them work or shoehorn others into situations to make it work, whatever it is. And so when I think about the Vitruvian man or person, human being, okay, the square round peg in the square hole. And when I think about it through the lens of being authentic and how it's easier said than done is because we've got these four areas of our life that are always rubbing against each other, right? They're always vying to be taken care of, to be first. And the four areas are health, wealth, work, which is also creativity. So that think of that as vocation and relationships. Like that's it. And, and when I think of health, in case there are questions out there, health, I'm, I'm including spiritual, okay? So health to me is uh, mental, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual. Like these are really, really big uh, components. Wealth is basically money, material security, right? Work is how you express your passion, 
through your vocation or avocation, right? It might be the means for how you make money, right? And relationships are, well, relationship with ourselves first and relationship with others second. And think about any area of tension in your life, right? Most likely the reason there's tension is because there's something that's not balanced between one area of your life and the other area of your life. We talk, there's so much talk about work-life balance, right? And, and uh, as an example, okay? And so to be authentic, it is the journey of a lifetime. You are never done. And it starts with knowing who you are. And this is where stuff gets so unbelievably exciting. So as I told you with my own path, my own path has been 30 years and 18 months to get to this place right here, right now, speaking with you. And the 30 months of trial and error got me to a place where I was living my life in a way that was working for me, which is all I ever wanted. Actually, let me take that back. I was living my life in a way that was true to me. That's all I ever wanted. At the same time, it wasn't working as well as I thought it could, okay? I just knew it wasn't working as well as I thought it could. I've worked for myself most of my life and I have, as I mentioned earlier, this storytelling business that I have with a beloved business partner of nine years. I launched the business in 2013. She and I started working together in 2014 and we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary in February of the company. Yay! But to be honest, that, that business, you know, the revenue comes in peaks and valleys, right? We might have a project one month and then it might be six months for another, or we might have two projects land in one month and then it might be six months to the other. It just was super inconsistent. And we love our craft of storytelling because the, our approach to storytelling is again around this concept of authenticity. And being authentic, when we take on a client for a pitch deck or a speech, a keynote talk, it's vulnerable work and not everyone wants to go there. But our approach is we can't not work that way because we know the prize on the other side of that honesty, on, that, on the other side of that truth. We know what's there, not just for the pitch or the narrative or the presentation or the audience that's going to be riveted and at the edge of their seat for what they're witnessing, these moments of truth, but for the inner growth and magnetism that's brought out in the people that we work with. And so we, I love this work I do, right? But it was inconsistent. So it wasn't just about the inconsistency of the revenue stream. It was the, inco the inconsistent 
presence of opportunities that would light me up, <laughs> right? I love doing this work. It's, it's bespoke. It's not something we can advertise. It comes word of mouth. And um, I wanted to be lit up more. And so anyway, so what happened 18 months ago that started my journey to where I am now is uh, I was introduced to this new personality assessment that can't be corrupted by your mind. It's called human design. And you may have heard of it. You may actually think you've heard of it because there's a thing called human-centered design, which I don't know a lot about. And human-centered design, as I understand it, is about building experiences around, around humans, okay? Human design is a completely different thing. Human design is the blueprint for how you're built, okay? And it's not a series of questions that you answer. It's keyed off of your birth data. And I know that sounds crazy. I know it. But if you have ever had your astrological birth chart done, think of this as an astrological birth chart that's of quantum proportions. Because it doesn't take just one reading, which is when you're born. It takes a second reading, which is three months before you're born. And what happens between those two readings oh my God, your life will be transformed. What happens when you get your birth, when you get your human design chart for the first time are two things. Relief. Ah, I knew it. So relief and validation. I knew it. I always knew this about myself. Finally, someone sees me, right? This huge relief that all of these things that you have known about yourself, right? The things you love about yourself, but maybe you've pushed them down or pushed them aside because they didn't resonate with others, right? Others, others don't want you to be that way that comes naturally to you. So you squash it and then you do pretend stuff, you know? which eventually is pretend to be happy with this pretend person you've created. So the first thing that happens is this enormous sense of kind of celebration, right? And relief because you see yourself and finally someone sees me, right? The other thing that happens, which is incredibly transformative, you let go of what you're not. I mean, it's like these two things that happen when you see your chart and you understand it, what it's telling you in the raw data is you lean into who you are and you let go of who you're not. Do you know how much freedom that is? Do you know how much mental worrying and background noise of I'm not this or I'm not that. I wish I could be more this. I wish I could be more that. All that goes away in an instant and you start to Align yourself with who you truly are. And you align yourself unapologetically. Okay? This is freedom. This is freedom. 
this is light. This is love. This is this, you, you start to become the person you always knew was there, but there, but you were in your way. Right. And going back to the personality tests, your mind was in the way. Your mind was convincing you to be a certain way because it's accepted here or lauded there. Your mind got in the way. And the thing about human design that's really, really powerful, not just these two different readings that are keyed off of your birth data, but um, it's what it tells you about how to make decisions that are in alignment with you, your energy type. And in human design speak, this is called your authority. And trust me, we're going to get into all of this. There are infinite episodes ahead of our journey uh, to explore this stuff. And going back again to the beginning where we make decisions all our lives and how our lives are an amalgam, an amalgamation of what happens to us and how we respond or react, right, through our minds. We, the decision-making for most of us is felt and, and somewhere in the body. For a few people, it's not. For a few designs, and we'll get into that as well. But what's consistent for everyone is it's not from your mind. Our minds are here to help others. And I don't mean, I can't tell you how to be the best version of you. I can guide you to the tools so that you can do the work of inner reflection and, and contemplation, right? So I can guide you and that's why I'm here, but I do not know you and I will never know you better than you know you in the same way you will not know me. You may think you do after all the episodes we do together and the conversations we have, but you won't. You'll have an interpretation of me based on what you know through you, right? Through the lens of you. The true you is my hope, right? And so what when you follow your decision-making that's not through your mind, in my case, it's my sacral, right? So it literally is in my belly. When you follow your decision-making consistently, this is what leads you to lead a life of alignment. It's what allows you to become magnetic. It's the foundation of the law of attraction. It's what pulls in the right people and the right situations and the right flashes of insight, the right everything, so that you can live the life you came here to live, which is a glorious life a life of beauty and love and joy and laughter, a life where you discover your true greatness, unique to you. Nobody else has what you have, which is what you really start to see when you go into human design and you get your chart. So the first part of this last 18 months after the 30 years of trial and error, the first part was just seeing my chart, a written summary of it. And I'll put links in the show notes so that you can do that for yourself. It's transformative. And most likely you'll want to go even deeper because you're going to see the jewel of who you are. So that was the first part of my journey with the, the, the new tools that cannot be corrupted by our minds. Okay. We're entering an era with 
personality tools that are all about our individuality and our energetic frequency. So the second part of this journey for me was when I had a human design reading. What the reading gave me that the printed chart didn't was a download of how conditioning had affected my life. And here I was somebody who thought, no, 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 no. I have been living my own life, right? Look at me. I don't, I don't have a job, regular job at a company. I've not done a lot of the things everyone else did because it, it didn't work for me. You know, that getting married, having kids, like that just never had the allure for me that it has had for most people and works for most people, but not for me. So I was living under this kind of cocky, I will admit, and self, um, self-glorifying self you know, illusion that I had been doing it myself, right? Woo! Good on me. And then when I had my reading, that bubble was punctured. <laughs> Thank God, right? And there were two things that I learned in that. So I have this thing called the channel of logic, which is I love it. It's it's my mind. I love my mind. I, I will say it like I, I have this superpower. Really, it's an extraordinary superpower. And I can go, it's what makes me a good storyteller when I'm working with companies on their brand narratives or their pitch decks. Because I can see all the chaos, all this confusion of markets or what have you, or all the attempts at good messaging. And I can immediately kind of get the truth, the clarity, the single sentence, the few words that capture the essence of all of this, right? So I love my mind. And it really supported me when I was growing up in, you know, a quasi-chaotic household. There was a lot of, it wasn't predictable. There was a lot of upheaval. And I started to realize that I needed to troubleshoot for that upheaval. And that's when I realized once I had my design and my reading where my channel of logic would kick in, you know, it would kick in to keep me safe. And this is what happens where we have definition. We lean on it a lot to protect us, right? That's what we do as kids. And then we have to catch, we have to catch where we're overdoing that as adults and kind of unravel that so that we can get back to the pure us, but as an adult. And so what I learned about that channel of logic, that dastard <laughs> channel of logic was, and I'm still working on this. So my journey to be authentic to me is a continuous process and it will be until the day I die. Uh, what I learned was that my mind, so while I made many decisions over the course of my life that were true to my sacral, okay? And I remembered when I went through and learned about this whole thing, strategy and authority, I went back and I looked at the decisions that had led to astronomical failures, right? And the decisions that led to great successes. And I deconstructed them. I, I really looked at them and I felt them in my body. And I went back to the moments when I made those decisions and I realized, Here's why that was effortless and, and worked out. Here's why that was something I wish I could forget, where I caused a lot of hurt and pain 
to others as well as myself. And it always went back to the the decision of, did it feel natural and was it lighting me up or did it feel forced that I had to make it happen or else, right? And that's the that's the mechanism for me to go back and know those decisions that are correct or not for me. So don't don't try this at home because <laughs> it all depends on what your design is and you'll learn more about that. So for me to then go back and see, I did make some really good decisions and I made some not so good decisions. I started to realize, oh, what's been happening is, and my reader who gave me the human design reading reading helps me realize this, what I now have to keep track of and be vigilant about is making sure that my mind, my mind, my wonderful channel of logic, right? That I'm not allowing it to filter out the sacral decisions it doesn't agree with. So I need to live my life doing everything my sacral says to do, no matter how scary it is. This podcast is one of those sacral decisions. I have been terrified of doing this, but the work I've done to get here to this moment with you has been a a process of honoring my sacral and trusting it in all the steps it took to prepare for this moment. And I'm no longer terrified. I might be self-conscious. I'm trying not to be. (laughs) I'm not used to putting my face out in the world or my voice out in the world, or my point of view out in the world. I do it safely behind the scenes through narrative, being the voice of another, helping guide them and help help lead them to their truth. And so this time I'm putting my voice out in the world. I'm sharing my truth. I'm sharing my experiences as evidence of my truth. And so I'm sure there are going to be moments where sacral says, tell them this story. And I promise I'm going to honor that because for me, that's what it means to be authentic. I have to at least honor that and live up to that with you. So the other thing that my human design reading and and my reader told me, and oh, this was a dagger, just letting you know, oh, just so you know, also, I keep, I keep tissues nearby. Because sometimes when I'm preparing and I'm thinking certain thoughts and I am starting to map out the conversation that I want to have with you, oof, I hit some tender spots. And I love those tender spots because it means that I'm not in my head. It means that I'm really in my body. I'm really being present. I'm really being real, right? So, oh, I am so grateful to my human design reader for giving me the hard truth. I I had um, taken him on this journey and I was trying to make some decisions about, you know, a property to sell and all this stuff, my mind, right? And I wanted him to help me uh, connect with my sacral to make these decisions because I was still early in my process and wasn't totally there knowing 
knowing this dynamic between my sacral and my and my mind and how my mind wants to filter out some of my sacral decisions that it that scares it quite frankly right that it can't control that aren't logical so um i was explaining how uh oh i'm i found this you know i i i love where i am right now because you know i'm just i'm creating this really safe simple life that works for me and you know i have my my five friends <laughs> you know and and that's all i need and this works for me i'm so happy that i can just be in my safe little cocoon he said to me we were on zoom he said you know and i and he doesn't put himself on the screen so i'm just looking at my chart and listening to his voice and he said you know i hate to tell you but you call it a cocoon i call it a coffin oh. right oh. ooh what a gift what a gift Ugh. I get choked up thinking about it. If you do not have people in your life who challenge you, who let me let me rephrase. Who see you really the true you as much as they can. If you do not have people in your life who will risk the comfort of an easy peasy no friction no conflict alliance with you in order to share an observation or share a truth or push back on your desire to withdraw from you to be less than you you need to expand your network you need people in your life who celebrate who you truly are who want nothing more than for you to be who you truly are there is no no greater gift that we can give each other than to give each of us this space to be who we truly are. I even put makeup on for you today. I haven't worn makeup in years. <laughs> but for posterity's sake and since everything goes on YouTube, I just thought, you know, I have to do this from the beginning. I have to show you me. I need I need you to be able to see my eyes. Not just hear my voice. I need you to see and feel my energy. Not just a picture. So when he told me this whole cocoon and coffin, I've been living with that. For more than a year. 
and the raw emotion that I feel. It looks like sadness and sorrow, but it's really gratitude. Because that conversation brought me here. And it brought me to my life purpose. Finally, the clarity around why I came into this world when I did, why I'm still here, which has confused me for a long time, and how I can serve, how I can be of service, how I can contribute, how I can contribute to our shared humanity how I can leave this world better than I found it. That's all I want from here on out. And I hope and pray that I have another 50 years to do this. Because this is it for me. So after getting my reading, after, after getting my chart and getting my reading, I had already experienced just so much profound awakening and truth that I I just kept wanting to go deeper. And when you enter the world of human design, you're going to see there, there are layers and layers and layers and layers and layers. The good news is in order to live into your purpose and to live a life without resistance or regret, all you need to know is your strategy and authority and honor that. That's the great news. I mean, the practice of it is tricky, right? Because you really have to discover your authority. You have to discover and feel into it and you know all this stuff. It's a discipline and it's not overnight. So it's a process. But that's the good news. You don't need to go into all these layers of uh, knowing what food to eat or what environment to live in or your you know, quad right or quad left or your cognition or... There's so many other things uh, that you can go into. And for some people, they want to. And you might be one of those people. Go for it. But not everyone needs that. And so I actually, in my profile, and you'll learn about this, profile lines. I'm a 4-1 profile line. And when, when you have a 1 in your line, in your profile, it basically means, oh, man, you love information. You love investigation. You love going deep and deep and deeper yet to find answers, right? You want to immerse yourself and become an expert and an authority on something. So it was very natural for me to want to go deep, 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 deep into human design. And so I I took classes for, gosh, a solid year and a half almost to get to where I am. And then last year, all I did was I just practiced listening to my sacral. I just wanted to listen to my sacral. And then uh, earlier this year, I, as I was deep in my studies for human design, I came across this concept called fractal lines. And I, I kept hearing it over and over again. And so finally I looked it up on Google, <laughs> right? And 
I found this podcast of this woman who was featured on another podcast of another woman who's a life coach. And the podcast of the first woman was coaching female entrepreneurs and business owners to build businesses in alignment with their human design. I mean, so when I said earlier, I was happy that I was living a life that was true to me, but it wasn't working as well as I thought it could. This was what the universe brought me after my, at that time, you know, 12, 13 months of immersive human design. It brought me this person who would teach me how to create a business or enhance my own business that I already had in a way that was in alignment with my human design. And so I joined this group. I became part of the um, the year-long masterclass. And so I'm in a group with several other women who were also called to this kind of work. And what I discovered was as transformational as first learning my human design chart and later getting that human design reading. And this was the gene keys. Oh man, if human design is a blueprint, right? The treasure map that says, this is you, right? So that stop being all of this and that no more because you can never be this or that, right? So stop the suffering, stop the struggle and the suffering and just be you. The gene keys are about specific activations in your chart that when you focus on your energetic frequency diligently, you transform your life. I'm not kidding, almost overnight because the gene keys are all about energetic frequency and they do a beautiful job of pointing out the three stages of frequency for each each of the 64 activations in the human design chart. The, the lower level, which is fear-based, the lower level frequency, the shadow, it's your shadow, okay? It's a shadow frequency, which is all about fear. Your highest level is called the SIDI, S-I-D-D-H-I, which is the, the spiritual essence of that activation. And the path to get from shadow to city is what's called your gift frequency. City sort of happens when you've been living your gift. You can't make city happen. You arrive at city or city comes through when you're living out of gift. And so if any of you who are listening or watching have watched that movie, What the Bleep, The Secret Law of Attraction, this is what that's about. We are all energetic beings. And, and if you don't believe that, you know, remember the last time you walked into a room and there had just been an argument and the air is thick and heavy and brittle. Like that's energy. And your energetic aura picks up on that and leaves messages behind, right? Leaves messages to the other. And knowing where, when and where you are operating out of shadow, whew, and being able to transform that consciously by doing work that allows you to, to get into gift and stay in gift, this is what changes your life. And I'm telling you, almost overnight, it's extraordinary, extraordinary. And, I, and it's happening for me 
It's happening for the people around me. It's extraordinary. And again, this work of To Be Authentic is about that. So when I joined this group, this masterclass that was all about aligned businesses to create wealth and not just financial wealth, wealth in every aspect of life, right? Relationships, love, like all of these things. These are all different aspects of wealth. This, this was the moment when I saw the use of the gene keys and how powerful they are and how, again, going back to the human design chart as a blueprint, right? This is how you're built. The gene keys are rocket fuel, right? That's rocket fuel. It takes that blueprint and it dials up all the stuff, all the true you in this most magnetic way. But again, you still have to do the work and you have to be honest. When you're in shadow, you need to own it. And again, that's why I go back to this title of this course and this podcast about to be authentic. Authenticity doesn't happen. It doesn't just happen. We create it. Well, actually that sounds false because it sounds pretend. We, we become it when we do the moment-to-moment -moment work of being true, honoring who we are and not trying to be what we're not, and doing the, wor the work of being vigilant about when we fall into shadow and not trying to be all rosy about, no, 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 I'm really not that, that way. I mean, I'll tell you, and I'm going to show you my chart. So this is my chart. And I know it means nothing to anyone who's new to human design, but to people who are familiar with human design, you'll totally get it, right? This is my channel of logic, which I talked to you about, right? This is the channel of logic that basically wants to filter out stuff that the sacral says, we should really do this, that it doesn't like, <laughs> right? Doesn't want to do certain things if it doesn't meet with the practical, analytical, logical conclusions that the mind has drawn for it, right? So this is my work is really being vigilant about allowing my sacral to be heard and really being disciplined about keeping my mind, you know, um, in the background so that I can lift up the qualities of my sacral so that I can feel them or hear them or whatever it is so that I can pay attention. So there's so much stuff we will explore and I will use my own chart to share things along the way because there are so many different places that the combination of the human design chart and the gene key activations from the golden path sequence, uh, are just mind-blowing. They wake you up. They turn you on. You become magnetic. You become an example for others. Your relationships become easier. And that's the other thing that's so amazing about this work is instead of trying to change or criticize or wish others could be different than what they are and complaining about that. You just work on yourself and those relationships dissolve or, or become repaired. It's, it's miraculous. It's really mir miraculous. And so 
once you've been living your design and when you have the gene keys that accelerate your path, right? Your transformation, what you want is to have a way to stay with it, to compound the benefit of being you, to compound the interest of you in you. And the last part of this uh, formula uh, that is the, the quantum way, which is what we use, where we integrate human design, the gene keys, and the work of Byron Katie. And if you're not familiar with the work, oh, you're in for some really wonderful teachings. And uh, basically, the work is the way that we stay vigilant about the stories that we tell ourselves either the stories that we adopt from someone else telling us who we are or the stories that we create on our own that tell us who we are when none of those are true, right? And the work is a way where you can be vigilant and constantly interrogating is what you're thinking or feeling or believing true. And it quite often is not. It's a story again from the mind and the ego to keep you small and safe when we're here to be big, right? And grow. And we can't do that when we're in a cocoon, when we don't take chances, when we don't push our limits, when we don't take risks, when we settle for good enough. I want to finish, and I have a couple of really quick stories. Um, the first I just want to point out, it's such an interesting time that we live in because we started out talking about the personality tests that have you know, dominated our lives for our whole lives, right? And they're all based on questionnaires where our mind gets to decide who we are and what it wants others to see about us. We're entering a, a period where the personality tests of the future can no longer be corrupted by the mind. Like that's profound. That is utterly profound. And human design and the gene keys are both keyed off of your birth data, both of them. And so you can't corrupt either of them. You can choose to not like it, what it tells you. You can choose to reject it. Doesn't change the fact that these charts are you. So why not get to know them? Why not learn to play with them? Why not become friends with them? It really is. It's, it's time to play. And it's the greatest adventure you will ever take in your life. The adventure of just learning you, knowing you, uncovering you, revealing you. I mean, that is the best adventure you will ever take in your life. And it will never end until you do. And what's interesting when I think about my own journey, the 30 years of trial and error, you're probably wondering, oh, poor thing. She didn't. If only she had these tools, because <laughs> I got stories, man, <laughs> stories in due time. These tools were not even available then. And with my life path, which blows my mind, they couldn't be. I actually had to go through the experience of the highs and the lows, the success and the failure, the joy and the desperation. I had to go through that 
I had to live it in order to know it so that I could confidently know that what I've built, this this eight-week quantum way program will bring utter transformation to anyone who chooses to experience it. And it will bring that transformation to the life you want from the life you have in a safe way. I'm here to support you. You don't have to blow up your life in order to create the life you want. You don't have to burn your bridges. I blew up my life. I burned many bridges and I was very intentional about it because it was the only way I could find my way through. And I I often use this phrase, which I don't know if it makes any sense to anyone else except me. I had to find my edges. I had to find my breaking points where I could feel, you know, me, not a pretend version. So there are a couple of stories I want to, um, I just want to share in closing. I'm not sure if you are familiar with Bronnie Ware. She wrote the book, The Top Five Regrets of Dying. I think it was an essay in 2017. It went viral. And in 2019, she published a book. And now it's been translated in 32 languages. Amazing. And she was a hospice nurse or um, palliative nurse. I don't know if those are the same thing. But basically working with people who were on their way out of this world. And she started to have conversations with them and to hear their stories. And the book she wrote became the top five regrets of the dying. So this woman used this role to learn, right, from all of these people who are on their way out of this precious life and world that we currently inhabit together, right? This precious instant of a life. Do you know what the number one regret was? I'm going to read it first person in the voice of those on their way out. The number one regret, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Dagger. If that quote resonates with you, if that regret resonates with you, you're in the right place. This is what we're here to do. This is, I've, li- I've lived my entire life. When I, when I discovered that book, I felt seen. I felt validated for the way I had chosen to live my life. My life didn't fit into anyone else's construct. Nobody's. No role models who could provide guidance. But it was the thing that at least inside I knew was true to me. And what I realized was, yeah, that was the thing that I was afraid of. I was afraid of getting to 80 years old, which, you know, I I expect to live longer than that. I hope to live longer than that. But that was my construct as a kid. Things like retire when you're 65 didn't make sense to me. What if you don't make it? So you spend all your life working and saving money 
What if you don't make it? Like that, that, that awareness. And again, that's where my channel of logic was helpful because it didn't buy that. It's like, whoa, this doesn't make sense to me, right? So, it, so yeah, don't wait until you're 65 to retire. You need to find a way to have those retirement experiences now when you're 20, 30, 40, right? Don't wait until then. Integrate it with your life. And then the other one was, we all have an expiration date. We just don't know when it is. And ever since I was a kid, I kind of felt like it was 90, somewhere around there. Maybe even a little north would be awesome if I keep my health and my mind and my body. But I always had this concept of 80 years old, right? Because that's, to me, that was the age of, if I get to that age and I feel like there's stuff I haven't done, I'm really going to be bummed. Stuff I didn't do that I wanted to do, that was important to me to do. All the what ifs, all the all the crazy ideas that I that haunted me, that came into my brain, that there was some sort of longing there or attraction there that I chose for some reason not to pursue. If I have any of those left when I'm 80, that's a problem. <laughs> and so I always lived my life that way, which is why it was more important to me to be true to me than to what society might put on me, good or bad. And so when I saw that book and saw that tough regret, I felt vindicated. And I don't mean in a self-righteous way. It, it was just the relief that I felt when I saw my human design chart, the familiarity, the, oh, you, you, did, you did do it okay, right? For me, again, I'm only talking about me, only about me, because that's all I know. And I still have so much to learn, but that's all I know is me. I don't know anything else. <laughs> okay. And so the very, very last quote that I have to end on, and I will, I will share my screen because I think it's beautiful to read it together, actually. And I'm a big believer in that. Our, our clients at Humanifesto Studios sometimes think we're cuckoo because we insist on reading our narratives out loud because something happens when the voice carries a word as opposed to the mind holding it. And uh, so let's, let's go to the screen. So this is what drives me right now. Ugh, it's just beautiful. I came across this quote years ago. I can't even remember when, but I remember, I think I was in my 30s actually. And it might've been as I was stepping into my decade of indulgence, which we'll talk about in due time. It's a quote by George Bernard Shaw. This is the true joy in life. The being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one. The being a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little clod of ailments and grievances complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. I am of the opinion that my life belongs to the whole community and as long as I live, it is my privilege to do for it whatever I can. 
I want to be thoroughly used up when I die. For the harder I work, the more I live. I rejoice in life for its own sake. Life is no brief candle for me. It is a sort of splendid torch, which I have got hold of for the moment, and I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. That's good stuff, right? I mean, that's it. That is what it means to be authentic. I hope I have another 50 years of this, of sharing, of growing, of learning, of being with you, of doing this together. And I hope you do too. That's what I want for you. Thank you for joining me on this episode of To Be Authentic, where we explore the practical side of human design, the gene keys, and the work in an integrated approach we call the quantum way. If you're new to human design and the gene keys, click the links in our show notes to get your free chart and profile. While you're there, subscribe to our mailing list to receive special offers and invitations and follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and your podcast provider of choice to never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. You make this podcast matter.